arts news from around the area. Welcome to the Creative Cafe, sponsored by the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo, promoting and supporting the arts, arts organizations, and artists throughout Greater Kalamazoo on 590 and 106.9 FM WKZO. Good morning and welcome to Creative Cafe. I'm Kristen Chesick, the Executive Director of the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo, and our radio show this morning uh, is packed full of celebrities. And my first one this morning is the one of our 2022 Community Medal of Arts Award winners, John Speeder. Good morning, John. Good morning, Kristen. We are on Creative Cafe, so wondering what your favorite morning beverage is. Well, actually, I'm a little bit unusual in this. I just drink um, grapefruit juice. Really? For years, I tried to like coffee because everyone <laughs> else drinks it. Yeah. Yuck. Okay. Why do you people do that? I, well, it, it, for it's me, like it just keeps my heart beating. So. You, you put all kinds of things in to disguise the flavor, like sugar and oh, cream. Oh, yeah. Stir it up. No. Just so grapefruit juice wakes you up, I, gets you moving. That's what does it for me. Okay. Well, you're living right, so maybe I'll try that. You are receiving the Community Medal of Arts Awards. It's a Lifetime Achievement Award. How long have you been playing bluegrass? Let's see. I started playing uh, the guitar about 40 years ago now. Okay. And back, it's hard to believe, but back then, you could turn on the radio and hear folk music. Like the number one tune was Tom Dooley by the Kingston Trio. Mm-hmm. And the ballad of Jed Clampett was like way up there on the hit parade. Sure. And so that's what hooked me. And obviously things have changed in terms of musical directions, but that's when I started playing the guitar. Okay. And that quickly transitioned into listening to different kinds of Appalachian music and uh, some gospel, which translated into bluegrass music. Okay. That's where I started. So uh, the guitar, were you self-taught? Did you take lessons? Yes, I did. I was self-taught in all my instruments. I play multiple string instruments. Yeah, what do you play? And I play guitar, uh-huh. um, five-string banjo, four-string banjo, mandolin, and I've done some work on the bass fiddle. Uh-huh. And I learned the hard way. That was back when they did not have uh, wonderful, elaborate, self-taught techniques on YouTube okay. where you could see exactly what should be done yeah. in instructional pieces. I learned by getting out vinyl records taking the needle off, putting it on the part I wanted to learn, and playing it over and over again. Oh, wow. So I deserve extra credit, and I don't recommend that as a way to learn instruments, but that's the option that I had at that point. Wow. Okay. And you've played for quite a few bands. You've founded quite a few bands. Can you take us uh, down memory lane a little bit, the, kind of some of the bands that you've put together over memory the years? Memory lane goes back um, to the early 1980s. Right. Well, we formed a band um, called the Sleepy Hollow String Band. Okay. Now, ironically, two of the members of that particular musical group have passed away, mm-hmm. but we have reformulated the group. Um, with a couple of our friends that we played with back in that era mm-hmm. have joined the group and we've uh, reconstituted the group and we are now playing in some uh, senior facilities under the same name. Okay. And I still have some Sleepy Hollow hats and t-shirts. Oh, I'm going to have to get in on You're going to have to buy one of those. I'm going to have to buy one of those. Maybe you'll get one for free. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So Sleepy Hollow, what other what other Sleepy bands? Hollow Band was the first one. Uh-huh. And um, based on my experience back at Michigan State, where I studied the old blues masters, Robert Johnson, Mississippi John Hurt, with the vinyl records, mm-hmm. putting the needle on. Yeah. 
I um, became fascinated with that and went on my own um, as Mudslide the Blues Man, where I played some of those, and I did kind of historical um, pathway of where the blues started uh-huh. before it became electrified okay. and how it uh, eventually um, went into uh, rock and roll and other forms of music. Sure. So I did that. Um, subsequent to that, I um, hooked up with the, Schlitz, the dreaded Schlitz Creek Boys, the, yes. who I'm sure you're familiar <laughs> with, Yes, crazy guys. And that, believe it or not, was 20 years ago. Oh, wow. When really? When I met these guys, they were in their 20s. Okay. And they were just learning their instruments at that point in time. Uh-huh. But I could tell immediately they had incredible um, potential talent. Very bright guys, just, just very bright. So we've been together 20 years playing all over. And thanks to the Arts Council, we've been able to play in Bronson Park and Ashtamo yeah. and some other really good venues. Right. You were you down uh, um, down in the alley there, the Bates Alley, for yeah. one of the performances as well. Yeah. And uh, I also kind of, at the same time I've been playing in the Schlitz Creek Band, uh, developed a relationship with some other individuals that are, one of them is a professional and they're interested in swing music. Uh, Frank Sinatra, Nat mm-hmm. King Cole, um, Tommy Dorsey. And we started the Somewhere in Time Band. And from that, we developed what's called the Old Time Radio Show, uh-huh. where we have the old commercials. Right. You look sharp, when, you know, and that sort of thing. And uh, so we developed the Old Time Radio Show and been taking that around. Um, we, we've kind of had our time scheduling practices, but yeah. so we did Somewhere in Time. And, and that's a lot of fun too. Hope you can hear us sometime. Right. So where 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 can I go out into the world and hear that? Right now in Paul Franklin's living room. So. In Paul. Okay. I don't know Paul. I know. So you can, I might be rude if I just showed up at his house. Yeah, but we have scheduled in, in mostly senior facilities. Oh, okay. So you're not old enough for us. And not, I did, oh, I'm getting there, but yes, thank you for saying that. I am not old enough yet to be there. You've also helped with numerous festivals as well in our area. Can you talk about a couple of those? Yeah, I think the one that I think uh, most fondly of is back in the 1990s, late, middle 1990s, where uh, myself and another board member of the Great Lakes Acoustic Music Association approached the president of the Kalamazoo Nature Center and told them that this would be an ideal spot for a music festival, yeah. bluegrass festival. And his eyes lit up and said, well, I never thought about that before. So they helped us write a grant from the Gilmore Foundation. And for, I believe, it lasted in total about 16 years. And we had that festival with some major nationally known artists mm-hmm. that came in, including the Dillards from the old Andy Griffith show. Right. And uh, some really good, good uh, dynamite entertainers. Now, the first six years we did the festival, it rained five years. Oh, dear. So eventually, yeah, <laughs> that's not exactly what we said, but... Um, right. It, eventually, we moved. We, we contacted the Radisson, and they agreed to host the festival. Mm-hmm. And that went out, continued for another um, seven years, I believe. So that was a great one. And then we worked with the city of Portage, I did, with the Kalamazoo Folklife Organization. Mm-hmm. And we had a wonderful uh, concert series called the Celery Flats Music Festival, which was actually a fundraiser for their park system. Oh, great. And we had that for three years. And one year we did it at the Overlander. Um, band show. Right, right. Fun. Yeah, speaking of fundraisers, I know that um, one of the uh, part of your public performances, and I think it's no matter what band you're playing with or in, um, or the festivals, 
always seems to include a community ask to support either whoever's hosting you or maybe a um, service organization in town who's helping others. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that's not that's, all that's bands very don't important, do that. And I think all bands should think about that. Okay. So when we play for the Arts Council, um, we frequently put out the tip bucket and donate the proceeds, as you know, to the Arts Council. Yes, we appreciate that. And every year, uh, Schlitz Creek does two or three or four or five uh, community benefit. Um, the most recent one and the one that we've done consistently is the Loaves and Fishes Benefit Concert, mm-hmm. which is suspended over COVID, but it's picking up in December. Oh, great. Where we donate, along with other artists, our time for fundraising for that very important and critical organization. Right, right. Service in the community. Well, uh, I commend you for that and for a lifetime of art. I mean, the, in, in terms of being a musician, being a tel- self-taught musician, but then pulling our community together. I think that sometimes we don't realize how many different genres there are out there of music, and certainly sounds like you have been involved in more than one, including the Bluegrass. So congratulations, John, for your Community Medal of Arts. Thanks, and I'd like to congratulate the Arts Council and yourself for providing the number of venues that you do every year. Oh, I mean, okay. it's appreciated by the arts community, and I don't know that we give back enough to your organization. And I'll make a point to mention that to the other bands, because there's nothing like this. I mean, I've, we've played in other cities, and nothing to the extent of the work that you do. So congratulations. Mm. I appreciate that, and, and we love the work that we do. So thank you very much. It's a nice partnership. If you want to congratulate John Speeder in person, you can do so on December 7th at 5.30 at the Gull Lake Center for Fine Arts. We're going to be having a great celebration there. And uh, you can congratulate him in person. Please go to kalamazooarts.org to RSVP for that. Thanks again, John. You're so welcome. Thank you, Kristen. And we'll be right back. Kalamazoo is rich in arts and culture. Our commercial, educational, and creative economies thrive when our community has spaces and places to connect and outlets for creative expression. The arts improve individual well-being, drives tourism, sparks creativity, and strengthens our bonds. The Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo encourages you to give to an arts organization of your choosing. We are better together because of the arts. Visit KalamazooArts.org to see all of the happenings in our community. That's KalamazooArts.org or on any of our social media platforms. This message is brought to you by the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo, proudly supporting more than 200 artists and arts organizations in our community. The Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo exists to infuse arts and culture into the commercial, educational, and creative economies of our region. You're listening to The Creative Cafe, sponsored by the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo on 590 and 106.9 FM, WKZO. All right, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to The Creative Cafe. I'm Kristen Chesick, the Executive Director of the Arts Council of Greater Kalamazoo, and it's my favorite time of year. It is the Community Arts Awards time of year. I have the privilege today of being in studio with Calden Gilstreet, and Patricia Carlin. Patricia Carlin was the nominator for uh, Bertha Barbie McNeil and Calden Gill Street for the Community Medal of Arts. Good morning, you two. Good Hello. morning. What is your favorite morning beverage? I like, I really just like some Folgers coffee with, uh, and some orange juice. Those are the things that I 
doing every, almost every morning religiously. Okay. Get you moving in the morning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Chai latte when I can get it. Okay. <laughs> all right. Those are all good choices. Bertha Barbie McNeil and Calden Gill Street are receiving the Community Medal of Arts Awards. It's a much-deserved Lifetime Achievement Award that we give out here in our local community. And your artistic uh, history stretches back to the formation of the Velvelats, Calden. Yes. Um, for those of you, for those who don't know the story, and I'm not sure, I'm sure that there's probably a young guest generation sitting out there who are not aware. Can you tell us about the group's formation and a brief history? Yes, I can. Um, the group was formed in the early, but not, yeah, mid, early to mid-60s in, uh, at Western Michigan University. Bertha Barbie McNeil is the, the co-founder, along with my older sister, Mildred Gill Arbor who lives in Flint, and they formed a group. First they had a, a, a group of several uh, young students, female students, and they, were, they would sing at the, um, in the, uh, up at Western, at, at, at the, uh, I can't think of the name of it. It just it slipped my mind because I've, I've got things on my mind that I shouldn't have on my mind. That's okay. But, uh, and I used to, my parents used to drive me up there to get my sister Mildred because they couldn't afford for her to live on campus. So, But she and Mildred cultivated a friendship and then they decided that uh, when they found out that the Alpha Phi Alpha were given the talent show that they really wanted a real singing group. So um, they, uh, Mildred sanctioned me and my girlfriend Betty Kelly, my best girlfriend from childhood, and uh, Bertha brought her cousin Norma in from Flint and we started rehearsing at Maybe Hall up at, up at Western because we wanted to enter this talent show. And Bertha would play the piano and we would sing and we all took turns auditioning among ourselves to have a lead singer and finally they agreed that I would be the lead singer. So, and I was very young. I was only 14 in ninth grade when this happened. Oh, wow. So, um, it was amazing to them but the thing of it is, is it wasn't a I wasn't a novice to leading because um, I also had a group at uh, Lincoln Junior High in ninth right. grade I formed a singing group and we won a talent show there so my older sister my family always uh, supported all of us that uh, uh, whatever we were participating in she told Bertha that I have a younger sister who can sing and I'd like for her to audition so yeah. she brought me up at Western with her uh, to Western and and we auditioned we, Kelly and I and then her cousin Norma joined us from Flint Michigan a little later time but we formed a group and we um, we entered the talent show for the Al Alphas and um, we won first place it was several different local groups that were in it and fortunately uh, to our surprise and to our uh, luck yeah. uh, Robert Bullock Barry Gordy's nephew was also a student at Western and I think he was pledging for the Alphas and he came up to us after the show and, and said you good ladies sounded sound really good I really enjoyed your singing he was he, speak, he spoke with authority he, you could tell that he was you could tell that he he was someone special but we we didn't really know how special until he pointed out to us. He said, "You sing just as well as the ladies at uh, 
sing for my uncle's label in Detroit, company in Detroit. And we said, well, what's that company? And, and uh, I had to sit over on the side because I was only 14 and my sister Mildred was in charge of me. And so if I was 14, she was 19, so she was really feeling like the big sister. And I couldn't even enter the conversation. I just had to sit and listen to them. And they told, uh, he told them, my uncle owns Motown Records. And everybody said, Motown, what's that, you know? And uh, he says, well, you know, he has the Supremes, the Marvelettes, uh, Martha and the Vandellas. Those are three girls groups that sing for the company. And so we were saying, really? Bertha and Mildred were very familiar with those names. I really wasn't. The only one that rang a bell with me was the Marvelettes because they had uh, Mr. Postman out at that time. And so he says, I'm going to, I go home about every other weekend. I'm going to tell my uncle and my mom, because his mother was a vice president of Motown, about you ladies. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I'd like for you all to arrange to come to Detroit to audition, but I'll let you know. And so we kind of like, okay, you know, but all we ever wanted to do once we got together, our main goal was to make a record. Uh, Mildred and Bertha were at Western, and uh, Norma was at Flint Junior College. I was in ninth grade at Lincoln Junior High School, and Betty Kelly was uh, 11th grade at Central, Old Central, Shenandoah mm -hmm. Auditorium. Yeah. So it was going to be difficult for all of us to get to Detroit. So we went home and begged my dad, my sister, and I begged my father, Daddy, please drive us to Detroit so we can audition for Motown. Yeah. And he would, he would shrug it off. And I guess after so many weeks of us begging, he decided he was going to take us. And so he and my brother Charles, who was on furlough from the Air Force, drove us to Detroit. Again, my mother, she was very upset about it because the weather prediction was bad. And it was bad. It took us five hours to drive from Kalamazoo to Detroit. Mm -hmm. So um, it... it, it, it we shouldn't have been on the highway because it, it was slippery, it was ice in spots, and I'm curled up in the back seat, and we finally made it there. Yeah. Because Bertha had told Bullock what day we were coming, and so he phoned ahead his uncle, his uncle Barry Gordy, and his mother Esther Gordy Edwards. They uh, they were except they were you know, expecting us, but they after the weather was so bad, they really didn't think that we would be making it, but we did. And uh, we went in for an interview. Um, they didn't want, want us to interview at first. Um, they said that we don't do interviews on Saturday, because it was a Saturday oh. morning. We left like 8 o'clock one morning, that Saturday morning, and they said, we, these are regular, the receptionist said, these are, this is a business, and our, we were open 9 to 5, five days a week. So, but anyway, we lucked up because as we were turning to go away after our hearts were broken because we thought we were being rejected. Yeah. Um, the director of, of, uh, of uh, well, he was the head of the, the, the uh, writers and producers, Mickey Stevenson, he walks out of the door and he recognizes Bertha and Norma from a project they had done with their uncle Simon as with the Barbies in Flint. Mm -hmm. And they recorded a, a record, and I guess it sold two or three copies. But anyway, he recognized them because he produced it. Yeah. And he said, Bertha, Norma, what are you doing here? And Bertha said, well, 
we we came to audition, but she told us we can't do anything because the the, the studio there's nobody here to to audition us. And so he says, and so she said, I guess we'll go back home or something. I had an aunt and uncle live in Detroit, so we were going to go back over there. But anyway, he says, ah, oh, he says, he looked at the, the, the reception. He said, they're okay. They're with me. Come on, ladies. So we put our noses up in the <laughs> air, and we walked through that, that door, that, you know, uh-huh. that, that sound door that, that connects you to the studio at Motown. And we heard music just flowing. Someone, one of the producers, uh, and writers were down there. They were recording their music uh, uh, with the band, with the Funk Brothers and mm-hmm. members of the Cal- of the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. I've made that phone call twice. Anyway, um, <laughs> and we were just, you know, and on. Then we went upstairs and we walked by the door because it's a big house, and Mr. Gordy had converted every bedroom in the house, about five of them, upstairs into rehearsal rooms. Each room had a piano in it, and that's where we were walking by the door, and the doors had windows in it, and we were looking in, and, you know, we saw The Temptations, Smokey Robinson, uh, just different artists rehearsing songs, and we, Mildred and Bertha had a fit, because they recognized Marvin Gaye as a young man, and I'm saying... (laughs) I don't really know who these people are, because <laughs> you know, being the age I was, you know, yeah. I, I, but we, we made it, and we auditioned with a song that uh, Norma of the group had created, and we added our, our ideas and enhancement to it, There He Goes, that was our first recording, that's, you know, and that's what we, we auditioned with, and along with a few other songs. Uh-huh. I can Tina Turner song and something else. But anyway, I sang lead on all of them. I had to learn them before we went to Detroit, especially. Sure. So they accepted us. Yeah. And the rest is history. Well, yeah, and a long history. Mm-hmm. You've been uh, recognized and, and had many accolades over the years. How long is, was the group together? It's about 60 years yeah. now. Yeah. You know, all of us are still living, and we're all, uh, we've all been productive members of society, besides being Velvetts. So, if you want to come in person and congratulate uh, Calden Gill Street and Bertha Barbie McNeil, you can do so next Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. at the Gull Lake Center for Fine Arts. We're going to be having a great celebration uh, in fact, I also hear that um, I think Yolanda Lavender is going to oh, yeah. cover yeah, one of your songs. Yes, yes oh, she's going to come great. perform for you. Really? Okay. Yeah, so we've got some great entertainment and some just absolutely fab- fabulous artists that we are going to celebrate. Cal, Patricia, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you. God bless. Thanks for taking the time this morning to join us at the Creative Cafe. The arts are a vast subdivision of culture composed of many creative endeavors and disciplines. Art can include forms as diverse as prose writing, poetry, dance, acting or drama, film, music, sculpture, photography, illustration, architecture, collage, painting, craft and fashion. The Arts Council strives to support all these art forms and the creators that bring the art to us. But we can't do it alone. If you are a local business looking to deepen your connection to the community, consider an arts sponsorship. It creates visibility, improves your company's reputation, and generates traffic through your business both online and through sales. Sponsorships also help keep ticket prices down to allow for more access to arts events in our community. 
If you are looking to support your community and drive business to your business, contact the Arts Council at KalamazooArts.org and we'll help you find a sponsorship that's right for you. It's a win-win. Now you know.